0: Welcome to Abuelas en Acción, a podcast for our common good. My name is Dr. Rosemary Celaya Alston. I am here today with my co-host, Marie Dahlstrom. Today, we are pleased to have the opportunity to talk with Bishop Gerald Kikanis of the Diocese of Tucson. I want to talk a little bit about him. I'm not going to go into his full-blown biography here, but I want you as the listeners to hear a a bit about his background. Bishop Kikanis was born in Chicago, Illinois, to parents being of Lebanese heritage, Frederick and Eva Kikanis. He attended Immaculate Heart Elementary School, Archbishop Quigley Preparatory Seminary in Chicago, and he was ordained to the priesthood on April 27, 1967. So that's about approximately 53 years, Bishop.
1: Exactly, Rosemary.
0: In in ministry. And then he earned a PhD in educational psychology, an MED, Master's in Ed, in guidance and counseling from Loyola University in Chicago. This is a distinguished bishop with many posts that he holds, both internationally and nationally. Um, In November 13, 2007, he was elected as vice president of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. He was also in February 28, 2008, the USCCB chosen member of the American delegation to the 12th World Synod of Bishops, which was held in the Vatican City in October 2008. Bishop has held many, many posts, including board chair and directors of Catholic Relief Services, which maybe he'll talk with us a little bit about and has also been supposed to be retired in 2017, but this bishop has not slowed down one bit. He still lectures, teaches, is all over the world, and I had the wonderful opportunity of working with Bishop Kikanis for approximately five years. So we're excited to have him, and I'm going to give a little bit of an intro. Um, We are going to have Bishop come back and speak with us about immigration justice, which is a passion button that this bishop has Um, but today we're going to we're going to talk about what the issues are at hand on a daily minute-by-minute basis. The coronavirus pandemic that we are currently experiencing is such a vivid reminder that we live in a global community. We are in this crisis together and need to come together as Americans to ensure that everyone including those that are the most vulnerable, receive the assistance they need to stay safe and healthy. This health and economic crisis reminds us all of the importance of a government that works on behalf of all Americans to ensure prosperity and well-being for all. A government that ensures that all workers have paid sick days and access to quality care. Martin Luther King, one of his quotes is, Only in the darkness can you see the stars. We have the opportunity during this dark time in our country and world to see the stars of hope and goodness, to reaffirm our values that can guide us through this pandemic and lead to national unity. Values of empathy, responsibility, humility are all opportunities for us to move away from fear and anxiety. The coronavirus is humbling us. Into to remembering that we need to rely on one another, we are already seeing acts of extraordinary kindness, courage, and ingenuity. Our healthcare workers, public health experts, and elected officials who deserve so much of our gratitude for all that they are doing to keep us safe are many of those populations that we need to target our prayers to as well. Bishop, We have approximately five questions that we would like for us to have a dialogue with you, and we're going to go back and forth in terms of those questions. Or if you would like to veer off in another direction, we are totally open to that as well.
1: Well, thank you very much, Rosemary and Marie. Uh, uh, The Abuelos en Acción. (laughs) It's a a great privilege to uh, be a part of this podcast about a topic that is concerning all of us, not only here in the U.S., but throughout the world.
2: Thank you. We... Thank you, Bishop, for, for taking the time to be with us. And uh, your words will mean so much to, to all of us during this very difficult time in our world. Thank you. How can we stay hopeful during this period,
0: Bishop?
1: You know, this... hope is the secret of the Christian life and the breath which is absolutely necessary uh, for our living together as God's people. So hope is endemic to us uh, because we know that Christ suffered, he died, but he also rose as he had promised. And uh, that message of hope is uh, central to our faith and really to the faith of many different religious communities. And so in times of crisis, you know, we, we come together there's something about crises that don't separate people but it brings people together and in coming together we find our hope in uh, the good that so many people do. We feel our hope when we see the dedication and commitment of uh, medical workers risking their own safety and well-being uh, to be of service to others. So there's there's lots of reasons to hope amid this uh, crisis which has uh, created a sense of fear and Anxiety among so many of us.
2: Bishop, what opportunities um, do we as Americans have for national unity during this health and economic crisis? What what can we gain from it?
1: You know, one of the things that I think worries us uh, is the polarization that exists today in our society. We are red and blue, we are Republicans and Democrats, and sometimes uh, we're set against each other. But when we experience a crisis like the coronavirus situation, uh, these things kind of get set aside. Our differences get set aside. We realize that there's a commonality among all of us. Uh, Our well being, our health is a concern to every human person. And so, for whatever reason, crises sometimes. Uh, dissipate some of the polarization that exists among us, and we begin to see each other not as divided, but as united, as needing to pull together, pull in the same direction, uh, so that we can address this crisis that has affected not only us here in the States, but throughout the world.
0: And what do you think... Our policymakers should be doing to respond to the needs of working families during this time of crisis, Bishop?
1: You know, it's encouraging that our Congress is uh, looking carefully at how to provide a safety net for people for whom this crisis uh, will create severe economic uh, situations. So people who, for example, uh, have to uh, stay home and are unable to work, Uh, The government is looking at plans to uh, make sure that they are cared for, uh, that their mortgages are taken care of, that their uh, salaries are taken care of. So we're beginning, I think, as a nation to look at how we can make sure that people's lives are not totally disrupted uh, by this crisis. So I know they're talking now about a coronavirus, SMLA, Uh, opportunity for people who have to stay home or care for a loved one who has coronavirus so that they have an extended period of time uh, to address that within their family. Uh, So I I think we're beginning to see that the ramifications of this uh, crisis are not only uh, the fear and the anxiety that people experience, but also the economic trauma. So businesses losing significant amounts of uh, funding. I think we're looking at as a nation how we can support those organizations and those companies and businesses who are uh, tremendously affected by uh, the coronavirus and all of the social distancing that are being put in place to help uh, limit the spread of this disease because I think everybody is worried that if this disease spikes throughout the nation we won't have the resources necessary uh, to address the issue and so the concern with social distancing with not gathering in big groups uh, is all about trying to slow the spread of this disease it probably won't end the spread but it it will uh, lessen it so that our medical resources and personnel can uh, address the issue as best they can.
2: Bishop, will you talk about a population that I know you know well, um, and uh, uh, many of our listeners um, will have concerns about, uh, in terms of undocumented, our our immigrants, um, uh, in particular, our Latino undocumented, uh, community members who um, um, may not have uh, access to some of the benefits uh, provided to others who are u um, uh, uh, s citizens what what should we all be? doing on their behalf and what do you see ne- uh, needing to happen to take care of their families, their health needs, and, and and now economic needs?
1: Sure. You know, I think there are a number of groups that are very at risk in the current circumstances. Certainly immigrants are one. Uh, for example, those who are uh, living now in Mexico waiting asylum uh judges to look at their cases and their plea for asylum. Uh, They're living in wretched situations right now, which only can further the possibility of contagion. Uh, So this is a serious concern, uh, especially for migrants who are uh, at the border awaiting their asylum hearings, uh, but are living now in very complex and difficult situations. It's hard to find ways to provide social distancing but for people who are crowded together in very unsafe, unsanitary situations. I think this is true also not only of the immigrant but the uh, homeless. We have a large number of homeless here in Tucson. Many cities have a large population of homeless, and they are at great risk in this situation as well. Uh, the elderly certainly living in nursing homes and in uh, uh, residences for rehabilitation. Uh, that's another group of people that are seriously at risk in this crisis. Um, and I think as a government must look at how we can make sure uh, that these very fragile and uh, uh, troubled uh, groups are attended to. Uh, because in a crisis like this, there isn't so much as a, a prisoner, there isn't so much as a homeless person, there isn't so much as an immigrant. They're all human beings subject uh, to this contagion that uh, is threatening the lives of so many people. Uh, And so I think we have to consider how we're going to uh, focus on these particular groups, prisoners, the homeless, immigrants, and make sure that as human beings, they are cared for at a time of uh, serious concern.
2: You bring up such a good point and i know uh selfishly i in a time of crisis like this, I'm thinking my immediate family, immediate community, and it is very, very important for all of us to be reminded of the needs of uh, vulnerable our vulnerable community members, including those, as you mentioned, who are waiting to enter the U.S. These are families who are are left at the border and are in dire uh, situations there. And um, we we don't hear a lot about their needs anymore. And in many ways, I, I believe they've been forgotten by a lot of Americans.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that this is uh, the reality. We like to uh, distance ourselves from uh, groups that uh, create fear. And uh, I think it's at this time that we have to lay aside our fear and see these individuals as human beings in need of services. Uh, for example, here I know the Keno Border Initiative and in the Diocese of Tucson is under Father Sean Carroll and the others uh, are doing heroic work to try to uh, tend to support and address the needs of our migrant community, especially those who have been displaced into Mexico. And there are many, many uh, people who are concerned and who are trying their best under difficult circumstances to uh, assure the well being uh, of these individuals. And the one thing that has really struck me you know, when I used to visit the border uh, three, four years ago, uh, I was all young men, most of whom are fairly healthy most of whom are uh, strong because they're still young. Uh, But today, it's striking the differences of those who are coming to the border. They're they're families, they're families with little children, Uh, they're families that are at great risk. And so we have to be attentive to the the needs of those who are uh, living in rather squalid conditions and uh, now very susceptible Uh, to contagion of this uh, disease that has caused such great fear around the world.
0: And what can one do regarding the the dire sense of loneliness, Bishop, that results in what we're seeing now in terms of the others or um, displaced individuals? I mean, both... Maria and I are in warm homes and you know we're going to get through this one way or the other but the reality is when we distance ourselves and think that it's just about us um, we're losing truly where our humanity button is.
1: And you know it's even more complicated Rosemary because what's happening now understandably because of the need to not gather in large groups Many dioceses have uh, closed their schools. They have closed their uh, churches. Uh, here in the Diocese of Tucson, Bishop Weisenberger has uh, just uh, published a series of limitations, no confirmations, uh, no funerals except uh, for immediate family. Weddings are not to be at mass. So we're drawing back from many of the ways by which we find ourselves strengthened or supported uh, or encouraged during this time. Uh, so it's a little bit unlike a war situation, uh, a little bit unlike uh, situations where there has been a natural disaster because we can come together in churches, we can come together in communities, pray right. together, support one another. But now even that's now understandably being taken away from us. And so we are finding ourselves uh, more and more isolated. Just in my own schedule, uh, I have had uh, probably uh, 100 events canceled on my calendar uh, for the next two months, Uh, ministerial experiences, groups that we're meeting, retreats being given. So those things that usually are a source of support for us are now being limited and curtailed, understandably again but it makes that social isolation even more striking and mean more difficult. And maybe the solution is trying to do things more virtually, uh, even though virtual is not a human contact, but at least it's a way of supporting each other and encouraging each other. Uh, I know Archbishop Gomez put out a beautiful prayer encouraging uh, people to turn to Our Lady of Guadalupe and uh the mother of all the Americas uh the mother of all uh to encourage people to pray for one another uh and even though we can't have physical contact or as close contact as we usually have at least we can in our solitude uh pray for all those who are in vulnerable situations And we know in our own uh, country, this is a very serious concern, trying to slow the spread of this disease so that our hospitals, our medical staff are not overwhelmed. But we don't know what's ahead. And even if we can slow this contagion, it still is going to be present and affecting people's lives. But when you think of the fact that this is affecting almost every nation of the world, And we have so many blessings here, so many opportunities here, but so many countries are in dire situations because they don't have the medical resources. They don't have the medical staffs. uh, They're living in war-torn situations. They're living in intense poverty. And how are we going to, as a world, as a society, uh, address that? I think this goes back to your comment uh, a while back that, uh, Uh, it breaks away all of these divisions that we sometimes feel are so prominent in our lives to realize that we are really one family. It's sort of the experience the astronauts had when they looked down on the Earth and they saw it as a small globe kind of bound together. Well, we're beginning to realize how bound together we really are and how we need to set aside some of these Uh, discriminations and some of these separations that see us as different than the other. Uh, We are all the same, we're all uh, susceptible to the same contagions, to the same viruses, Uh, and so clearly hopefully this crisis will help us to realize our unity and our need to be together in the midst of these crises.
2: Well, Bishop, it's certainly um, uh, this crisis that we're going through is um, in many ways preparing us for the um, uh, upcoming um, uh, uh, acceleration of climate change. We are in this together. We need and depend on each other in order to address these uh existential threats to our humanity so um your words mean so much and and i need to tell you that um when uh we um, um had uh, agreed to uh change our focus for this episode of abuelas en accion with you um, i was very uh, it changed my mood for the day um, because it's been such an uh, an upheaval in all of our lives, and right. we've been thinking survival and thinking, you know, and really, I think more focused on fear and anxiety. And I realized today, in preparing for this podcast, that this is what we need to do more of. We need to focus mm-hmm. on our faith and our and hope and what we can all do for one another. And so I thank you um, for this opportunity. Um, uh, Another question we have is how can we draw from our faith to draw the strength to keep strong during this uh, pandemic? And I know so many people uh, will really want to hear your words of, um, support uh, and encouragement for all of us to draw on our faith. Uh, what? How can we do that?
1: Sure. Let me, before I, I reflect on that a little bit, uh, Marie, uh, I think, I hope our climate doubters who deny or doubt uh, the effect of climate change on our world uh, will take a second look. I mean, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has spoken so powerfully about how what kind of a world are we going to give to our children and the fact that climate change is a serious and worrisome issue for us as a world even as this pandemic is a serious concern we are interrelated we are connected and uh what affects our climate is going to affect every nation and every person just as this uh uh, contagion is is of concern to every nation and every person. But as far as uh, what we can draw upon, you know, Christ gave us a prayer in which he said, our God is not distant from us. Our God is not aloof from us. Uh, our God is not unconcerned for us. But our God is Father who always, always gives us our daily bread and never leads us into circumstances that are overwhelming or overpowering. And so I think we turn to the Lord uh, who has promised to be with us in good times and in challenging times, to ask uh, the Lord to uh, be with us and to strengthen us and to help us to uh, share together and work together so that we can address this issue. We have all of the expertise necessary to address this contagion but we want to uh, build our confidence and our hope uh, that the Lord is with us and never abandons us never walks away from us and to give that message to one another as well uh, that we are the beloved daughters and sons of God precious in God's eyes Uh, He. Knows our fears, He knows our worries, and He is there alongside of us. And while this contagion continues to evolve, uh, I hope that we believe wholeheartedly uh, that God will see us through this crisis uh, by our uh, caring for one another, by our seeing where love is needed and responding, uh, that we can address this crisis by our our work together, working together.
0: Bishop, we so thank you for your time and for your words of of hope and wisdom as we take sometimes minute by minute, day by day of this um, horrific new thing that's been placed upon us to really reflect and think about what we can do maybe for others. Maria and I so appreciate your time, and we hope that you'll come back and visit us on Abuelas acción for the immigration uh, justice piece, because I know how passionate you are, and uh, we need to hear what you would like for us to be a little bit more insightful
2: of. Thank you I'd so be much, honored. Jeff. Take care. Have a great day.
1: And you as well.
2: Thank you, Bishop.
1: Thanks, Marie.
2: Dr. Rosemary and I invite everyone to please join us next time for Abuelas en Acción. Gracias.